Welcome to that 80s show with the song that every Portuguese man quotes when you say to him, well, that's life. And he says, I'm no, life is life. This is life. Just life. This is life, Dory. That is a lesson. All our <laughs> songs, all our lessons learned by the Portuguese people from 80s songs. And I bet you the misheard lyrics from that particular song are live is live or life is life or well, live is life, life is live. And, and to, which is the misheard lyric. And to, to the 44 <laughs> Afrikaans speaking people, um, it's not na 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 na, <laughs> it's na 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 na. So <laughs> do with that what you will. <laughs> <laughs> I just had a realization about that song actually. I always assumed that that was literally a live recording, but I'm beginning to think it's not. They just added people yelling and shouting audience noise on it. No. Or it, is it a live recording? It is a live recording. It is. Okay. Yeah. So is there a non-live recording of that song? Because I've never heard any other version. Mm, that is a good point. That is a task for us. Because why did I play that song? Because suddenly you look at Spotify charts and you see mm -hmm. it's, it's there again. And why? because there is a new Adidas advert for the World Cup featuring five ah. Lionel Messi's from different time periods playing with each other. And that song is playing in the back as a homage to the viral video of Diego Maradona warming up in the 80s with the most 80s hair, the most 80s jacket, so many pockets <laughs> for his cocaine while that song plays in the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen the ad. I'll, I'll I'll search for it because I'm keen. I assumed if it's back in the chart that it's TikTok because whenever there's an old song in the chart, it's always TikTok. No, it's because of that ad. It's because of that ad. And if you want to mm -hmm. look at look for it, that 80 show essay Facebook. I posted it up uh, earlier this week or towards the end of the last week. I think it popped up last week sometime. So huh. it's, it's on there. Thanks. I, I missed that. Thanks. I will go and look at it. <laughs> Thank you. I always assumed that Dory would at least be one person on the page liking the content, but uh, alas. So, I am not your puppet, okay? <laughs> so Dory, this week, I was a little bit delayed in that song. I was a little bit distracted because I was trying to get mm. the story. Listen, when you see a headline, Woody Harrelson on that time, he and Michael J. Fox drank cobra blood in Thailand, Mike promptly promptly vomited. You're like, what is this? That is 80 show all over it. <laughs> so I don't know if you saw it earlier this week. Um, somebody actually, cousin Louie, 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 um, third mm. silent member of the show, all is here in spirit. He sent it earlier this week is that Michael J. Fox got honored at the 13th annual governor's awards and um, they do honorary Oscars. Okay, I don't know if that's what they do. I don't know if that's the thing. Do you know that? Yeah, I have to say, no, I didn't know. But I have to say, when I saw that, I was a little bit, hmm. I'm like, he deserves a real Oscar. He doesn't need an honorary Oscar. Okay? So, so I'll Did you feel like, huh, yeah. about it? Or is it just me? I, I did. I did. So maybe this sets him up for a Lifetime Achievement Award. What what I do suspect, because we've seen a lot of Michael J. Fox lately, right? He was at Comic-Con, mm. and then the, last week they launched the merch range, of which all of that's in my cart. If anyone just wants to go, you know, it's kind of like <laughs> I bring it back to the future registry. Hint, hint. hint, hint. Um, and then there's this. You still haven't found that sugar mummy to buy old stuff for you yet, huh? No, That's no. Oh, no. my God. When you're in your 40s, how old is your sugar mummy? I mean, let's not be ageist. But <laughs> I mean, <laughs> 
God, <laughs> Jesus wept. Um, but no, I wonder if Michael J. Fox, maybe he's holding on for that honorary Oscar, or the Lifetime Achievement Award, and then he bows out of public life. Because you kind of see that. When people are suddenly there everywhere, it's kind of like their long goodbye tour. I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. know if he's, if he's kind of doing that. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so he gets this honorary Oscar. He gets the Jean Hucholt Humanitarian Award for the work he's done uh, for Parkinson's disease. And Woody Harrelson presents him the award. But he starts off, I mean, he talks about how he was first introduced to Michael J. Fox. He was at a party. I mean, just so funny. It's like a 10 minute piece. We'll put it up on uh, that 80 show Facebook page. It's so funny because Woody Harrelson's hilarious. And he tells the story and then he segues into (laughs) a trip to Thailand that led them to a fight between a cobra and a mongoose. And in this article, so doesn't it feel like all Woody Harrelson stories start like this? <laughs> and it ends up in a story about the two of them drinking cobra blood together in Thailand. What? I mean, I don't mean to be judgy, right? But that sounds like, and then there was a pandemic. Oh, this you know was, what I'm saying? Like, this, don't oh, do shit like that. But this was in the 80s, story. This was in the 80s they did Yes, when there was even worse things in the blood. (laughs) Don't do that. Hey, listen. But okay, fine. It's done. It's over. It's over. And I'm sure they had their reasons. But I just want the the young kids listening to our show to know that this is not a good plan. Well, that's if- Even the old kids. It's not a good plan. That's if you don't believe that COVID was- uh, bioweapon released <laughs> from a lab and they you know hid behind the pangolins <laughs> have you heard of a pangolin have you when last did you hear of a pangolin they're so cute they're so cute i can't believe they were the scapegoat they're so cute blamed it on the pangolins <laughs> it's a great name for a band i know blame it on the pangolin i know <laughs> what we you know sh- my you know my favorite facebook my favorite facebook page apart from ours it's called Thanks, That's My Band Name Now. I am putting that on. <laughs> oh, do you also not see, see their content for a week at a time? <laughs> oh, no, I, I have notifications on. I see their content daily. <laughs> so bl- blame it on the pangolin. You know what we should do? We, you and I should make a band that uh, yes. th- that if it's not the Las Colinas band, oh, my God, Acapulco season two, it is the Las Colinas band, which is you in another meta, you and I in another metaverse. They are outrageous. <laughs> I still have to see it. <laughs> they are outrageous. I have to make season. a plan. You have yeah, to. Okay. Um, if you don't know what we're talking I about, have to make a plan. Acapulco, Apple TV. It's set in this hotel in Mexico in the eighties, and they have this band that plays on the on the next to the pool, and they sing Spanish versions of all the big eighties hits. And honestly, it's Dory and I metaverse versions. Okay. <laughs> Just, just like that radio show that we mentioned last week with Ronan Keating, that was also our metaverse versions. <laughs> exactly, except the you know the worst looking version of me. I mean, Jesus, Ronan mm, Keating. Of course, I mean, what are we going to do there? So no, we should make a band, but we're a tribute band because okay. this, this is the genesis of the idea that only plays Johnny right. B. Good from Back to the Future, okay, and um, Huey Lewis Back in Time. That's all we play, and we call Blame It right. on the Pangolin. The Back to the Future <laughs> tribute band of two songs. <laughs> I mean, if not us, who who will do this? Nobody, because it shouldn't be done. <laughs> I don't know. I think you're 
too dismissive. We get a lot of our content from great website called Den of Geek, but I think you're going to fight Den of Geek this week. Mm. Oh, mm. my word. Because mm-hmm. they say that an article, what the new Quantum Leap does better than the original series. Ooh, stand back. Okay, Tom. Okay, throw it at me and I'll, I'll argue it. Well, firstly, I want you to talk about your disdain for the new, the reboot of Quantum Leap. Dory's not a fan. Again? Again? I mean, I've, I've been through it, but okay. we, can, we can do a Twitter version okay. of my disdain. Yes, do, do your tweet. There's so much. Your There's so much version. to complain about. You're not a fan. Okay, apart from the horrendous, no, I'm not, I've, I've given it two episodes and I'm unimpressed. I don't know if I'm going to go further than the two episodes. I see that this article has spoilers. So I'm just going to do a quick find on page Sam Beckett. No, I'm, I'm actually not. I'm not going to. I do want to know if, the, if Sam Beckett makes an appearance. It, you can tell me. It doesn't but, spoil that. They're talking already. It doesn't already. spoil that. It doesn't spoil that. It doesn't reveal and I'm telling okay. we, we've already spoken before how we think that's going to be revealed. Uh, this is reviewing up to episode eight, Dory. Yes. Far, very far behind. Yes, I am only up to episode two and may go no further. So two of the things that okay, they do so, well yeah. said here. Okay, let me maybe approach it yes. that way, right? So firstly, they yeah, say- You say and then I'll argue. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Based on your two episodes- they say that the character development in this, the reboot, is way better than the, f- the, the first one. Now, I'm sure you're going to pick that up. I mean, but we it, didn't care about character development in the 80s. We, we didn't care. Exactly. There was no character development in the <laughs> 80s. Michael Knight was a guy. He drove a car. That's it. The A team. Okay. <laughs> you had the leader. You had the guy who didn't want to fly planes. You had the guy who was crazy. You had the handsome guy. That was it. <laughs> You're missing one. You're missing one, but I can't think which one. <laughs> no, there's only four A teams. Oh, why? I, I honestly thought there were five. Okay. No, there's only there's only four A teams. The van, and and okay. then they did have a, a a time where they had a female A teams, but that was like the oh yeah. So that was you know, you know that, that kind of didn't feel right. MacGyver, MacGyver probably had the most character development because you could see when he was stressed. And then he'd blow something up versus when he was angry and then he'd blow something up. I mean, up. imagine imagine there was character development in Airwolf. Imagine that we had to deal <laughs> with all of Jan Michael Vincent's problems. Like if they based it on his real life story, imagine that show. Oh my God. I mean, how are you character developing any shows? <laughs> oh my word. <laughs> So firstly, to write that means, I mean, I bet you this article was written by a, a child, Emily Mulvey. She is a freelance writer, a mom of three teenagers. And she probably watched one episode of the original. Uh, what? She, she's a mom of three teenagers, so she could. Mm, okay. Oh, she might have watched the original. She, she might have. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. 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 So we'll, 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 we'll give her the benefit of the doubt. So maybe. but <laughs> What look, is the other argument? Point stands. Okay. There was no character development in the 80s. And we did not need it. We did not miss it. We did not want it. It's fine. It was absolutely fine. It was fine. The only character development ever in Knight Rider was when there was Darth Knight or Goth Knight. I'm going to go, Goth Knight. (gasps) You see, remember him? 
So if nobody knows, there was an evil version of Michael Knight and Kit called Goth Knight. He had he had a pointy goatee or something, didn't he? He had a goatee. The worldwide symbol for evil, do not trust that person. It was David Hasselhoff oh, with a goatee, and then the car was called Car, K-A-R-R, oh. and they were the evil ones. That is as far as it ever went. The furthest A-team ever went on development, character development. Mr. T didn't like flying planes, and he pitied the fools, and then once he did fly a plane, but he still pitied the fools. So he never stopped I mean, pitying the if- fools. Yeah. And I mean, if I think about it, Miami Vice, the character development was God. that initially he had a black Ferrari and then he had a white Lamborghini. That you was his character. You see, you see. And yeah. it's like, yeah. one time he wore socks. We're like, what? What? Fucking, <gasps> what? A policeman in socks in Miami. What? What is happening? <laughs> okay. So that point's bullshit. That's moot. I do not stand for that. Right. The next okay. one, this is going to bother you. So what was Sam mm-hmm. Beckett's rule about time traveling or hopping around in quantuming? What was the rule about how he landed? Do you remember those? You do. Um, the rule, he wasn't supposed to mess up too much because then he would change history. And it was also he could only go back in his lifetime, right? In his own lifetime, right, yes. So apparently this one breaks that. Because the new guy goes back to Western times, he bounces all around. So they've broken that rule. And now okay. in this article, they say that's much better because it gives a lot more variety. And you add in the character development and you have something better. And I'm not for that. Why, if that's the rule of quantum leaping, why change it? Well, I mean, I suppose it depends why it's a rule and if it really matters. I don't know if it really matters. Say they have to reboot Back to the Future, right? And 88 miles per hour isn't that fast anymore. What if you suddenly change that? Because you have to, because then willy-nilly anyone. Okay, they'll have to change the technology behind the flux capacitor, right? So just take that and you change those. Gremlins, right? There's a Gremlins Mm. cartoon. Oh, there's so many rules there. Right? Change the (laughs) Gremlins rules. What do you have? Pangolins. You see, you can't do it. <laughs> Full circle moment. <laughs> You've got to keep the rules the same. They spend so many times in those okay. 80s writer rooms. Do you think that Coke was free? Do you think it was just given? Somebody paid for it. And now we're just writing off all that Coke that they took to make up new fucking rules for Quantum Leap. I slammed my desk, Dory. I'm angry. Angry as someone okay, ripping I, me off I, in a generator. I've noticed that those are the only two arguments in this article. Those are they. I know. It doesn't even have a third argument. <laughs> I know. So the problem is I saw the article. I thought, ooh, this will trigger you. And then I'd really committed to it when I scrolled through and went, oh, no. <laughs> There's only two. <laughs> someone did less work than I did. <laughs> so... Emily Mulvey, uh, I do appreciate your efforts to be part of the pop culture zeitgeist, but understand that there are podcasters out there who do very little of their own research. So if you're going to, <laughs> if you're going to show up in my '80s Google Alert feed, please bring it <laughs> because I cannot be having two point articles here. I am going to find her on Twitter and I'm going to fight her. 
do it. That's what's happening. I will. I will because I have so many things that are so much worse about the new Quantum Leap series. Okay. So many things. Just listen to the last few episodes of this show. Ladies and gentlemen, mark this date. It's happening live on the 25th of November. You may listen to it a few days later. But this is the official start of the tour between that 80s show and Emily Mulvey. <laughs> it's fucking hot. <laughs> bring your den of geek lawyers. It's work coming for you. <laughs> oh, be damned. Be damned, Emily Mulvey. Before we get to our movies, Alyssa Milano. She's popped up a lot in our conversations, right? Last few weeks. Do you think it's because she's like being uh, remarketed to us because we spoke about her? We spoke about her once. Yes. And now she's being remarketed to us. Yeah, it could have been my search terms: Alyssa Milano, mm. Alyssa Milano, hot. Alyssa. Milano I don't want to know what you were searching with Alyssa Milano. I Alyssa, don't want to know. Alyssa Milano in fear, like could have been, <laughs> could have been that. But anyway, I'm not a pervert. <laughs> No, but you are reminding me of yesterday in the office. I'm going to share a quick anecdote yesterday in the office because the World Cup is on, right? And we managed to get it playing on the TV in the office and we were all kind of watching, except for Barrett. Now our audience knows Barrett. Barrett is not interested in sport and he said, he, he says the soccer is so boring. But then as he was looking up at the screen, he was like, oh, oh, he's cute. He's cute. He's cute. And then he made me Google these people, but including the words, in a speedo. Uh, yeah. I couldn't just Google their name. I had to get their name and then go in a speedo. Oh, yeah. My search history is a disaster now. You are because done. of that. You are <laughs> so done. You know, and just just <laughs> just to give you an insight onto Barrett, if you've you may have heard Charts Savant, Celeb Savant. He's a podcaster who doesn't listen to other podcasts, and he's a spinning <laughs> instructor who can't ride a normal bicycle. So yes. you know. <laughs> never ceases to amaze. He did his interview with uh, Tiffany this week. I believe that one. He, it's going to come out very soon. I'm Ooh. very excited to hear it. Got, I can't wait. He got an extra three minutes. They said only 15. Oh, he got three yes. minutes. Jeez. That's a good time. So that'll come out soon. We'll, we'll let you know about it. So Alyssa Milano, she is obviously says, mm. we know outspoken. She's on Who's the Boss, Charmed, couple of movies, music career in Japan. Remember that? She did a few songs. <laughs> Only was oh famous. my God. That's kind of, she was the Tiffany of Japan, you know? So that's, that's nice. Mm. Um, but she was also part of a groundbreaking moment. I didn't know about this actually. So it was actually quite a, a useful little Alyssa Milano in a bikini search for me so, <laughs> right. in, in, a very useful um, <laughs> no stop it in the late 80s milano met a teenage boy named ryan white who had contacted hiv contracted hiv when he was 13 mm. through a blood transfusion do you remember this I remember, I wow. do remember that very well. Okay, yes, so yes. yeah, he became a public figure and started appearing all over the place of like dispelling the myth of HIV AIDS, which of course was ridiculously blown out of proportion and misunderstood in the 80s, mm. right? And um, he died of AIDS in 1990 at 18 years old. But how's this? Mm. This is a Mil Alyssa Milano telling the story on a podcast. I got a phone call from Alton John. Just, Alton John phones I mean, Alyssa Milano in the eighties. I mean, yeah. How old was she? She was a teenager, like a teenager. It does have her age here. I think it comes later. In, she she was she was a teenager. She would have been 
18 yeah. is. She must have been around about the same age. She must have been around about the same age. Heart of her fame. Mm. I mean, just the thought of Alton John picking up, or well, he wouldn't. He would have got like a man slave to do it for him. But on the old rotary phone, phoning Alyssa Milano, <laughs> he says, listen, there's a boy named Ryan White. I want you to meet him. Okay. Mm -hmm. They became friends. She loved him very much. They went on the full Donahue show, which was the biggest thing yes. in the eighties. Right. I used to watch that religiously. Oh my word. That was the biggest thing in the eighties before Oprah, right? Oprah kind of like took his mantle. Oh yeah. But he was Oprah before Oprah. And on the show, she gave him a kiss on his cheek to compact yes. to, to combat the fear that HIV could be transferred through casual contact. And yes, this almost it. ruined her career, right? Mm. So she was 15, actually. So she was yeah, she was 15 at this, right? She had people. She wasn't invited to prom, okay, because people thought she was HIV pro positive. She was getting shouted at by wow. people. She wasn't booked for certain jobs that she was guaranteed to get. And it was just like, what is wrong with people of this one moment? So I went on the full Donahue show and I kissed Ryan and that was a moment that my life completely changed because I realized what it meant to have a voice for, by being famous and what it meant to do good with that voice. So as we've spoken about now, she's a huge activist and she says he taught yeah. me that I had a power as a celebrity to change things and to stand up for what's right. So that led her into like kind of secondary career in activism. Melissa, Alyssa mm. Milano, she's the boss, if you're asking me. She is the boss, I agree. She is the boss. Businesswoman, writer, activist, doing all the things, and it all started with that moment. That's cool. We talk a lot of shit on the show, but that's, that's a really cool moment to know about. Yeah. Right, so. Right. Pensive <laughs> pause. Right, let's get back to the nonsense. <laughs> So I want to read something here for our dear, dear listener. And I did say listen on purpose. Uh, dear, dear listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I get a message from Dory last night that says, oh, I've lost it. Where's it gone? Okay. Anyway, she sends oh, me going, Okay. my movie f tomorrow, right, that we're going to talk about has got just, here's a teaser. And it is, the image of the rating in this movie, you know, it says violence, sex, nudity, language, whatever. And it's obviously from- So it's the parental guide yes. from the IMDb page of the movie. That's and it. the reason I actually checked it up is because I wanted to see if there was any possibility that my teenager could watch this movie with me. I was pretty sure that there was no possibility, but I wanted to confirm. And this confirmed that the answer was definitely no. I'm, and then I thought, I have to send this to you. I have to, because it's quite something. I'm pretty sure that at 42 years old, I can't watch this movie. Because <laughs> you definitely can't. Dude, I think I shouldn't have watched it. I mean, I have seen it before, but I mean, no, no, no. no, no, like, no. I'm preempting, I'm preempting. It's all Next good. to it's violence, severe. Next to language, all the swears. Next to sex, like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. Sex and nudity, severe. severe. Violence and gore, severe. Disturbing scenes, severe. It's like severe is a very severe word. Like, you know. Yeah. This isn't a rom com, I'm willing to bet. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the Muppets. Well, hello. <laughs> you gave me the idea because remember after last week's fluffy silliness of young Einstein with Yahoo Serious? 
your exact words were, you're going to come back mm. with an art house, full frontal male nudity to combat the last two weeks of my movie recommendations. Mm. And that is exactly what I've done. In fact, there is full frontal male nudity in this movie within the first three minutes. You see, I know these things, Dory. I know what you're going to do. <laughs> okay. So I first saw this film. It, it came out in 1989. And you would never think so. I mean, there's like a couple of things that would maybe give away that it's an 80s movie. It very much does not look like an 80s movie. It is so arty. Now, when I say arty, you're going to think of, you know, David Lynch, um, mm. Stanley Kubrick, all these very arty directors, these people who make these very long films. Mm. And I watched this movie when I was in film school. I don't, I don't think we studied it, but oh boy, we could have. We really could have studied it. We didn't study it. I, you know, when I was in film school, I made friends with this guy and he introduced me to, wow, he introduced me to like in amazing movies. He used to work in a video shop. Oh, the best. And, Remember those? Uh, yes. Okay. Now I just want to ask something. Did he work in yes. an independent or a franchise? Oh no, an independent. Oh yes. Those guys okay. they were so judgy of what you hired, but they only watched the best yes. shit. <laughs> and he had a strong leaning towards art art house film. He was the one who told me to watch two thousand and one A Space Odyssey which is a Stanley Kubrick film. I had yeah. heard of it, but never really made an effort to see it. And he said to me, I have watched this movie a hundred times. It is the greatest film ever made. You've got to watch it. And then he, and I did. And I, I mean, I didn't think it was the greatest film ever made, but I was blown away by it. And then we could talk about it. And he, so he kind of got me into all these art house movies. And I'm almost positive that it was him who told me about the movie I'm going to talk about today which I actually went to see on the big screen because even though it came out in 1989, we got it a couple of years later. Yeah. A few years later. So I would have seen it probably first year university, which would have been 1992. I remember watching it. It might've even been part of a film festival at Nouveau in Rosebank because I remember going to see it in, in Rosebank and it blew my mind, this movie. Honestly, I was like, oh my God. And I then made an effort to watch all the films by this man. He has done a lot of other 80s films. They will come up eventually on the show. But I decided to start with this particular film from 1989 because it's actually one of his more accessible, let's go with in inverted commas, commercial type films. Oh God, I'd hate to see Tyler? the rest. I'd hate to see the rest. <laughs> The rest are, oh my God, is all I can say. And I mean, like literally some of the rest are almost impossible to watch. I've struggled through some of the others. This one is not a struggle unless you're very sensitive because like A Clockwork Orange, which is one of my favorite films, it is, it is disturbingly violent. It is, it's the kind of violence that makes you very uncomfortable. But the whole point of this film is not so much about the violence and the story. It's the visuals of it. It is a, I hate, I'm going to, I'm going to sound like I'm channeling Barry Ronger. It is a visual feast. Okay. In fact, one of the reviews Yummy. called it audacious. 
Yummy. One of the reviews called it sumptuous. Yummy. Sumptuous, audacious. Yummy is not the right word because there is food involved in this movie and it is not in a positive way. What goddamn movie <laughs> is coming? <laughs> okay, I'm going to put you out of your misery. It is a movie by a director named Peter Greenaway, and it is called The Cook, The Thief, His Wife, and Her Lover. I told a joke like I'm going to. I'm going to assume that you, <laughs> you don't know it. <laughs> no, I've no, never no. heard of that. Okay, I have put a link to the trailer. Now, the trailer is – there's no talking in the trailer. It's only music. So you can actually turn the volume right down. I just want you to see the visuals of it. And then we can both talk through the visuals. We can watch the trailer together and then talk through the visuals for our listener. Okay. Right. And because I want you to see what I mean. Okay. Before we watch the trailer, let me explain to you. The the costumes are done by Jean-Paul Gaultier. For the for, for those who don't just, know, for those who don't know, he <laughs> yeah. uh because I'm not a person who knows designer things, but uh, there was a fragrance mm. range by Jean-Paul Gaultier. And if you're not sure which one it was, it's the one with the boobs. The bottle is a body. And the one with the boobs. The one with the boobs, as Mendoza referred to it, I believe, once. The one with the boobs. Yes. And if you actually Google the cook, the thief, his wife and her lover, and you find the movie poster, Helen Mirren, who is the main star, or well, one of the main stars, is on the cover wearing one of the costumes and i'm saying costume because it's not normal clothes and it is just it's magnificent is all i can say and the food in the movie was prepared by a proper chef like they weren't like oh we just need some prop food a proper chef made the food for this film like no expense was spared here it was done proper proper okay okay the cool thing, you must look out for it. It's in the first minute of the trailer, and I'll explain to you. The way color is used in the movie is so clever. So, for example, and also, you're watching the film, and it feels very 2D and almost play-like because you only ever see everything from one angle. So it's almost like a painting. And, yes, paintings are a huge influence in Peter Greenway's films. In fact, like, if you think of, like, and it's, you'd have to know a bit about history of art as well, but it's the Flemish artists. The, think about Renaissance style, kind of, but beyond that. Not so much naked people, more like clothed people. So we're talking maybe 1700s Flemish art. Imagine like a huge painting in a gallery, and that comes to life. That is like this movie. And that comes across very strongly in the trailer, which you'll see now. And the cool thing about the use of color is that it, it, it the color is for emotion, it's so cleverly done. So, for example, the majority of the movie takes place in a restaurant. And you've got the dining room, the bathroom, the kitchen, and then the outside area of the restaurant. As Helen Mirren walks through these various areas, and it's all like left to right, like I say, it's all 2D, no, no different angle. She'll, for example, be wearing a red dress in the dining room, which is completely red. The walls are red, the tablecloths are red, the waiters are dressed in red. Everything's red, 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 red in the dining room. She'll then go into the bathroom, which is white, white, white. Her dress is suddenly white in the bathroom. She'll then go into the kitchen, which is green, and then her dress is green. But it's all one motion. It's all one scene. It's so beautiful. Where's the severe, where's <laughs> the se where's the severe violence? The severe violence, I, I'm not even going to tell the story because okay. – 
It's too much. It's severe. It's too much. It's severe. Because, okay, in a nutshell, she is married to this man, the thief. She -hmm. is his wife. The cook is the man who is obviously running the restaurant and cooking the food. And then she starts having an affair with her lover, who is another man who, who goes to the restaurant. But she does it literally while they're at the restaurant and her husband is basically sitting having dinner with all his cronies at the table she'll go off into the bathroom or into the kitchen and have sex with her lover and the sex is quite explicit as well so it's all and then of course things go wrong it's all in one location right and kind of like happening in one day it's pretty much in one location there's towards the end we move to another location but it's Oh, there's like two other locations that come in for a few minutes, but it's primarily taken place in this restaurant. The most, the majority of the movie. So, I mean, I really try to break away from the stereotype that I'm a pervert, but I've, I cheated. I jumped ahead. I'm going through the trailer in the trailer. Her gross yeah. husband, I imagine is fondling her boob. And then there is yes. the sex scene in the trailer that people can see themselves for the, with their eyes. Yes. Yes. Jeez, if that's in the But did trailer. you see the scene in the beginning where she walks from the bathroom yeah. into the hallway and her dress changes from white to red? Yeah. So there's a one scene in the movie where she goes from the bathroom in white to the hallway in red, to the kitchen in green, and then they go outside and outside her bless her dress suddenly turns black and then her gloves or her yes. scarf turn blue. So outside is black and blue, the kitchen is green where all the vegetables and the freshness and all that are. The dining room is red, where all the violent, where a lot of the violence happens. Blood. Mm. The bathroom is white, which is all pristine and pure. It's so. Oh my god! Like I said, we should have studied it in film school. There's so much imagery. It's so, magnificent. So, but disturbing. I, I, I'm like kind of watching this, <laughs> and I'm listening to you, and I'm going like, geez, you know, a movie like this has really lost on me. I couldn't relate to it. But right at the end of this trailer, it ends with a scene mm. of a man waking up in an alley, naked, surrounded by dogs. I go, oh, now. Been there. <laughs> now I can relate to this movie. <laughs> wow, Dory, this is a doozy of a movie. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I've ever gone as arty as this. I think even Blue Velvet is an, a few notches below this. Yeah. So this is as arty as we go until I do the next Peter Greenaway film. But even then, I think this is. This is just one of his more classy films. And I mean, the, the reviews have also compared it to Kubrick. They've said it's much more like Kubrick than Greenaway because Greenaway's stuff is not usually so violent, whereas Kubrick is. And it, that was re- it was very reminiscent of A Clockwork Orange for me, where you watch A Clockwork Orange, it's brilliant, it's visually amazing, but the violence does make you feel a bit, Ugh. it's like that. Well, so I had I... the weirdest dreams after watching this movie last that, night I okay i'd imagine i'd imagine you would i mean i just watched yeah. the trailer and i'm like this is this is some heavy stuff here this is what great movie wasted on me uh, i got i got no i know but i will put the trailer up on uh on you on on our on, our, on youtube on our facebook page and you know it's maybe for you. It's maybe not for you. All the reviews warn that it is not for everyone. There are two. They warn. There are two bums in the trailer. So maybe just try to find the the more NSFW, <laughs> the less NSFW one, because there are two bums already, and uh, uh, it's two minutes. Uh, I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Dory, that is quite a. I mean, this is what happens. This is what happens. So I think this is what happened. happens after two weeks of silliness. Yeah. 
The and pendulum swings. You, it needs <laughs> to be balanced. So remember those things people had on their desk in the 80s with the balls and those kind of like kinetic yes. balls. So you're kind of like either on the one or the other. You need to be the ball in the middle that they bounce off of. So be that ball, like straight down the middle because you're going too wide to the others. Um, are there any silver balls in this I'll try, movie? I'll, I mean, is that like a color that they use? Someone has silver balls. I don't know. I mean, maybe that's No, maybe, no, okay, maybe, no. Maybe no. for the sequel. Maybe I will. I will try and bring some balance next week. How about that? That's awesome. So that's, I'll do a I'll do a rom com next week. Oh well, <laughs> uh, look. I mean, for for every there's something for everyone. That story is movie, the butcher, the baker, and the rabbi. And um, so <laughs> I'm sure if you're into that thing, you'll find a way to watch it. What's it called? The cook, the sheep, the, the cook, the sheep, the, the the cook, the thief, his wife, and her lover. Easy, easy for you to say. Um, so my movie, I wonder if you recognize the theme song. Mm. Take a listen. It's not the theme song. It's the end credit song. You are quite, I think your husband may know it. It's called classic. It was probably one of the first movies. So imagine this is a movie and all the main characters start walking. And they're walking through, I think it's the waterways in LA, you know, that they had the chase scenes in Terminator. And they all yeah. start walking. So firstly, it's Peter Weller walks. Peter Weller, Robocop, before he was Robocop. Yeah. He's the main character. Yeah. He's walking. Then he starts getting joined okay. by his friends. He gets joined by, oh, not in this one. He doesn't get joined at this point. But in this movie as well is uh, Christopher Lloyd, just before Back to the Future. Right. Uh, there is also, this is what appealed, got me oh, thinking about this movie because the lunatics that were in it, because Christopher Lloyd's a lunatic. John Lithgow, he plays the villain and a very young Jeff, okay. Gold, a very young Jeff Goldblum is in this movie as well. Okay. And then the female love interest is played by Ellen Barkin, who talk about sexy in the 80s. So, it's a movie that was kind of meant to be the British or the American answer to Doctor Who. It's called The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension. I mean, you're... Uh, um, I've, I've possibly heard of it. I definitely have not watched it. Your video <laughs> I think friend, I've heard of it. Your video friend would be, he would just be besides himself right now with the movies we're recommending. So that is my movie. It's called Buckaroo, called Buckaroo Bonsai. The full title, The Adventures of Buckaroo Bonsai Across the Eighth Dimension. It's commonly regarded... Our movies both have long titles today. I know. <laughs> I know, for the SEOs. It's commonly regarded as the best or craziest movie no one ever saw, right? So, like I said, it was meant to be the US answer to Doctor Who. <laughs> Peter Weller's character is a... Physicist, neurosurgeon, test pilot, rock star. Okay. <laughs> so he does all of these things, right? And he's rock star, everything. But when he's the physicist and the test pilot, he's trying to, he's got this car that he wants to make it go so fast that it actually becomes atomized or whatever and can drive through a mountain. So this is what he develops. When he does it, he crosses dimensions and ends up in the super weird eighth dimension where there are these alien life forms that 
this is what dinosaurs would have looked like if they carried on evolving. This is the premise. And there are good versions of them and bad versions of them. Okay. They are called lizard dish, lizard, lizards, li- something. Their leader is a half human, half one of these, and his name is Dr. Lizardo. Okay. This is who John Lithgow plays. Oh, God. Right. And. <laughs> I will not try explain the movie to you because even John Lithgow, because he has how it goes. I go, I need a movie. I find the movie. I go, shit, I can't remember the movie. Now it's been hard to watch a movie this week's World Cup. Like you said, watching bits and pieces. Mm. I watch the movie bits and pieces. I go, shit, I don't understand it. Did I not understand it because I've been watching in bits and pieces and I got World Cup fog? And then I went back to the reviews and no. Nobody, <laughs> even Christopher Lloyd said, it's one of the favorite movies I've ever made. I cannot explain it to you. It was that bonkers. It's batshit lunatic. It's part Western, part musical, part sci-fi, part thriller, part comedy. It is just the most bonkers weird movie that you could put your eyes on. The people are called Lectroids. There are normal Lectroids and then there are the bad red Lectroids. And of course, like I said, John Lithgow is their leader. He's half and half of human and Lectroid. And it's this bonkers batshit plot to now, they've got a plan, they're trying to destroy Earth or whatever. It doesn't matter and it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Okay, but it's Wes Anderson's favorite movie. (gasps) <gasps> so now you have to watch it, right? Oh my God. Even so. It sounds like the extreme opposite of my movie this week, by the way. Like yeah. literal polar opposite. But but probably for the same type of person, right? Uh, a student. I don't know. No, because it's, it's not just B-grade fluff. It's a cult classic movie that another thing was, so they make this movie. They had a decent budget. It was bought to you by the guys who made Star Wars, produced by the same studio. I don't know if the guys who made Star Wars. Bought you by the same studio. Mm. Now, if mm-hmm. you compare what Star Wars looked like versus what this movie looked like, it's one of those movies that would probably have been better as a series like Doctor Who because all these weird things that they're trying to explain just don't quite work together in a movie. But if you had them as a series, they could kind of explore the different characters and and um, you know kind of get into that uh, as far as 80s shows would explore different characters. So even with Wes Anderson in The Life Aquatic, there are a lot of scenes that he put in as homage to this movie. You know, that's my favorite Wes Anderson film, which is most most not people's favorite film of his. In fact, it's usually called the worst film of his, and it's my favorite one of his. People hate it. So- do you, do you remember in your mind the end of Wiz, of uh, Life Aquatic when they're all walking down the pier and it's Bill Murray? Oh, the yeah. And that's, that's the homage. That that music that I played, oh. that's the end credit scene. And when you see that end credit scene, you're going to see, oh, okay. And that was his homage. And there's a lot of other little cuts and little scenes that he included in Life Aquatic that he said, I love this movie, I'm putting this stuff in. You'll see that end credit scene and match them together and then you'll know. And then you're I'm going to res- watch both of them as soon as possible. Yes. Yes. And I will compare. So, you know, it was like a bit of a stinker all over the place movie. It also then opens on the same weekend as Ghostbusters and Temple of Doom. I think about that, that Ghostbusters and Temple of (laughs) Doom opened on the same weekend. 
and there, and there was, was and there the was golden a, age and there was a star trek movie star trek 3 the search for spock i mean all three of those opening the same weekend that was golden age and then this yeah. so that's not going to help you um the 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 joke on all the cast is they kept throwing forward in the movie that this is part of a series and ideally want to do a trilogy never happened kind of just got burned everyone went on to very different things we know peter weller shows up as his robocop and so everyone kind of goes on the directors and the filmmakers all go on to bigger projects they are releasing a novel i think it's released already they said yes released already the sequel story so the follow-up story that they tease in this um the kind of follow-up story it's that and they i suppose if that does well they may look at the franchise and go okay Maybe we could reboot this thing and see what happens. So that is my movie for easy reference, Buckaroo Banzai. Who's the director? So the director is um, W.D. Richter. He went on what to- What else has he done? He did. Okay. Big Trouble in Little China. Um, I don't know the other ones, but yeah, so I, I pretty much know Big Trouble in Little China. So that's what he went on to. I mean, which is also a stinker. He did Dracula in the 70s. He did Invasion of the Body Snatchers in the 70s. Uh, so, hmm. yeah. He did All Night Long in 1981, which looks more like the type of movie that I will be recommending next week because there is a lady <laughs> up a pole and men are chasing her in the... So, uh, teaser, that's my movie next week, by the way. <laughs> oh, Dory. Very specific Ugh. market for our movies this week. Very, very specific. Wow. Hey, mm. look at us. <laughs> look I at need time to take that in. <laughs> look at us. So that is our movie recommendations this week. Buckaroo Banzai and then The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe by Dory. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> What's it? The Thief, His Wife, The Chef and The Parking Attendant. You're close enough. Okay, that one. If people go The Thief, His Wife, then they'll find it because that's I think what I did. The cook, the thief. Uh, his wife. The cook, the thief, his wife. Then that's then, then you got it. Then you got it. So yeah. <laughs> we're wrapping up that eighty show. I have a story left over from last week. I didn't get to, but I just have to tell you the story. Last week you spoke about Ralph Macho's book. People thought that the title of that book, Wax On, I made it up. It's like no, that's really the name <laughs> of the book. That's funny. <laughs> they thought, oh, it's one of Harley's things. Like, no, no, that's like, that's Ralph. That's Ralph Macchio. You want to talk about sharing a brain? Uh, if you're given a choice, would you buy Ralph Macchio's book or Martin Kemp's book, My Ticket to the World? I mean, you you have to ask. <laughs> I have to. People may not know you. Maybe listening to the show for the first time. So he's got a book out. Martin Kemp's book is probably. Not definitely, but Martin Kemp's book is probably going to include stories of where. So that's the thing. Now he's out promoting the book. On the audiobook, he reads it. How do you feel about that? Martin Kemp reading Ticket to the World. My Ticket to the World. Uh, he's, he's got a very lovely voice. So I have no problem with that at all. Okay, cool. So he talks about mm. this and he tells the stories. And yes, he talks about parting with George Michael and Wham. He talks about partying mm -hmm. with Boy George. Boy George, who got kicked out of I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. Do you know that show? <laughs> no. Don't you know that show? <laughs> no. no, I don't watch reality shows. 
No, well, it's it's not in the it's not in South Africa, but it's basically they take a whole bunch of UK celebs and they put them in the jungle. And then they, it's not totally Survivor. They basically sit around in a very nice lounge, staying very clean. <laughs> and, a lounge in the jungle. It, it pre- honestly, pretty much. It is it is a lounge. It's, it's, I don't think it's hard at all, but it's huge in the UK. They just keep running them. And anyway, Boy George got voted off. So he's back out in public. And I don't know how you feel about that. Some people may prefer him staying in the jungle. But anyway, so Martin Kemp talks about Boy George, partying with Boy George. And then he starts off very teasingly and he doesn't tell the full story. If you want the full story, get the book. Partying in London with pre-thriller Michael Jackson. What Okay. interesting experience that must be because you never hear about Michael Jackson. So he says it was in the time in this clip, he's promoting, I won't play it because I don't, he doesn't reveal anything. He just teases it. Uh, Michael Jackson yeah. was in London promoting Off the Wall. So he had just broken out of Jackson 5. He was kind of setting up his own image. This is pre-thriller where he really blew up. And he now goes out with Spandau Ballet and Martin Kemp. And Martin Kemp in this book says, we were basically like Blur and Oasis put together. And if that reference means nothing to you, <laughs> it's like, because I can't <laughs> And that's so funny because you kind of think of Spandau Ballet as one of the more cleaner living bands. Yeah. Like, not like party animals, not like Motley Crue. No. Well, you, <laughs> yeah. you, you know, if you, if you go back on our feed, you'll find our interview we did with Gary Kemp, Martin Kemp's brother, probably about 18 yeah. months ago. He never got into it, but he did allude as to that they were not the most well-behaved. So I can believe. and Yes. I, I, so, so many books to buy, Dory. Gary Kemp's book, uh, Ma- <laughs> sorry, Martin, Martin Kemp's book, Ralph Macchio's book, <sighs> Ralph Macchio's book. Sorry, sorry, Ralph. I'm going to illegally download that. I mean, I'm going. I'm going to. <laughs> I, don't, I don't find any. Coffee Why are you telling there. him? Oh yeah, because he won't <laughs> listen. So take that back, because I know you can't do karate. I've watched Cobra Kai. You're not karate kidding me. There are s- <laughs> lots of books to read. I mean, if I karate read- kidding me. <laughs> That's a great name for a band as well. Oh my God. And all we'll do, the only songs we'll play are Frank Stallone songs and montage songs. Yes. Karate kidding me and blame it on the pangolin. I think we're wasted, Dory. I think we're wasted. That's, a, that's the name of the podcast. It's done. Just write it. <laughs> Oh, two, two <laughs> birds killed with one stone. So that is uh, Martin Kemp and his new book, The Wildest 80 Stories. I will be reading that and mm. then I'll, I'll, mm. I'll recommend it to you if you, if you should read it, um, but I won't be reading it soon. So this has been that 80 show, two outstanding movies, outstanding, real, sure. really good movies, double feature. We could, uh, we could go to that bioscope in Parkhurst and we could rent it out. We could show both of those movies. Um, we would definitely need to start with yours because after mine, you kind of just sit there shell-shocked for a while and your brain shuts down and you just go, oh my God. Did you watch that movie at the cinema in the dark with other people? <laughs> yes. How many people were wearing coats? 
I have a very strong feeling. Oh, no, no, I have a very strong feeling. So when I did my research on the film, there is the original version and then there is the uh, the censored version. Yes. And I'm almost positive we got the censored version here in South Africa. Definitely because, because yeah. yeah. But the version I watched last night, not so censored. Yeah, no, you're not, you do not want to be in the lots dark. Lots of bush and lots of male nude, front, frontal male nudity. Mm. And yeah, just, just all the things naked man in the alleyway with dogs. Like if we're watching that movie, mm. bring your raincoats because it's, it's going to get slippery in and, there. And yet not because, Oh my God, it's like the last thing. It's not, it's not going to turn you on. This movie. It's not that kind of movie. You don't know. It is not like porn. People are into things. <laughs> well, I suppose some sick people might be turned on by it. Some sick, some sick are out there. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> You know, the pangolins mm. brought out a lot in people. It's just, you know. <laughs> so, oh, well, this is a disgusting thing you're doing. I leave you alone at home and I come over you doing this and blame it on the pangolin. wasn't me. So, Dory, <laughs> of everything today, what is your favorite thing oh you've learned in today's show? Well, I mean, apart from the fact that I learned that we are going to start two of the most awesome cover bands that ever existed, oh. I did not know that Wes Anderson loved that film and that there are parts of it you know, paid homage to in one of my favorite films. So that is a genuine thing that I learned today. And yes, like I say, the other thing is that we're going to be starting those two awesome cover bands. Excellent. That is some great mm. information. This has been that 80s show. We'll you post up audition, audition info on our Facebook page. Yes, we're looking for you drummers. We're looking for drummers. And air guitarists. And air guitarists. That 80s show essay on <laughs> Facebook Barrett, we're not really doing that because he seems to think that everything we say is true. We're not really going to do that. <laughs> and uh, by the way, if you don't know what the word homage means, you've probably been pretty lost. Thanks for joining me, Dory. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>